You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. And when you pray that prayer, all I'm going to tell you is buckle up and sit back. Because if you pray that prayer and really, really mean it, God's going to show you. And you better be ready to do some dumping. Because God's going to show you. Well, okay, where do you want me to start? Where would you like me to start? We need to plead with God to open our eyes. When would you say is the last time that you truly prayed for the Lord to reveal areas in your walk that are compromised and meant it? Were you surprised by what the Lord showed you? In today's message, Pastor Dave will teach you both the power and the importance of praying for God to reveal areas in your walk that need growth. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14 as he continues his message, Disobedience and Deception. the eyes of his fellow man, in the eyes of the Israelites, Saul was a hero. Saul had won a great battle. He had won a great battle, but in God's eyes, he was a complete and total bust. I'd rather fail in your eyes, my brothers and sisters, than fail in the eyes of God. I would rather fail miserably at anything except in the eyes of God. So what did Saul do? Build himself a monument. Yeah, I'm going to build myself a monument to these victories. Okay. I mean, we started about Saul's pride before, right? He's going to build his own monument. They're not building the monument for him. Usually, when you want to honor a hero or honor someone, you build a monument for that person. Saul says, I'll do it for you. I'll build my own monument. Come on. Let's build this monument for me. How great am I? How good of a king am I? Come on. Let's talk about me for a while. I'm great. Have I told you? Listen, I'm great. So then he he greets Samuel with this hypocritical greeting. He comes to Samuel. Blessed are you of the Lord. I've performed all the commandments of God. I did it. (laughs) Excuse me? He had no blessing to give Samuel. He did not perform the will of the Lord. He lied to himself, thinking that he could be gay with deception. And then he lied to the prophet, not realizing that Saul already knew. Saul already already been informed that he didn't do what he was supposed to do. He even tried to lie to God that's saying he was going to use the animals for sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, that's what we'll do. Yeah, we're going to, yeah, yeah, okay, we're going to use them for sacrifice. That's good, yeah, that's what we'll do, Lord. Yeah. I love, I love Samuel's response. It's almost humorous. Samuel's response, I love Samuel's response. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now what's all that bleeding of the sheep I hear? What's all that lowing of the oxen? Uh, yeah, you picked that up. Good catch, good catch. Your God. Samuel's not, Saul's not even calling him his God. He's not even calling him my God. I did everything that your God requested me. Excuse me? This shows you the relationship that Saul didn't have with God. Saul was never... I mean, we talked about that way back in the beginning, how Saul didn't have a relationship with God from day one. 
Interesting, interesting issue. Good pickup, Sandy. Your God. See, this pride and disobedience in us makes us blind. And it also makes us deaf to our sin. What was completely obvious to Samuel was invisible to Saul. He thought he did a great deal. Either that, he was lying so much about it, he believed the lie. I don't know. I know people who lie so much. They lie so much that they actually believe their lie, and then they fight you for it. They fight with you about the lie, and you have proof that they lied, but that doesn't matter because they believe what they lie. We all have blind spots of sin in our lives. And we need to constantly ask God to show them to us. We need to be a David. And this has come up now several times. Being a David, and this exact verse in Psalm 139, 23, and 24 has come up several times now in teaching. Mark mentioned it on Monday night. I think we mentioned it on Sunday. I think we mentioned it a couple times. So the Lord's telling us something here. David in Psalm 139, 23 to 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Man, when you pray that prayer, all I'm going to tell you is buckle up and sit back. Because if you pray that prayer and really, really mean it, God's going to show you. And you better be ready to do some dumping. Because God's going to show you, well, okay, where do you want me to start? Where would you like me to start? We need to plead with God to open our eyes. We need to plead with God to show us the blind spots in our lives. We need to plead with God, get me off this dime. Help me, Lord. But that, that one person, it wasn't a disciple, it was just a, well, someone in the Bible prayed, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me. If, if we only knew how obvious it was to others, when we're in the flesh. I mean, everybody can see it. It's obvious to everybody, but for some reason, it's not obvious to us. We think everybody else is crazy. We need to plead that God would open our eyes. Open our eyes. While this all made perfect sense to Saul because of his proud self-deception, it meant nothing to God and Samuel. In fact, it showed that Saul was desperately trying to excuse his sin and he, once again, he was using word games. He was talking, but he wasn't doing. He was talking. Half-truths. But even his excuse, Saul reveals the real problem. And here we go, Sandy. He reveals that he has a poor relationship with God. Notice how he speaks to Samuel. Sacrifice to the Lord, your God. The Lord was not Saul's God. Why? Saul was Saul's God. That's pride, folks. That's pride. The Lord might have been the God of Samuel, but he wasn't the God of Saul. And in his pride, Saul removed the Lord God from the throne of his heart. You have to be ever so careful. Verses 16 to 23. Let's read. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. Don't you just love that when you're trying to discipline somebody and they go, go ahead, talk, talk, talk. They won't be quiet for you to talk, but they keep saying, talk, come on, talk. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? You remember Saul's humbleness? Remember there was a time when Saul appeared to be humble? 
He appeared to be humble. Remember when he was hiding, when they were trying to make him, they wanted him to come out during the coronation. He was kind of hiding. Remember, he was was humble, like who am I to go out there? He had kind of a humble heart. Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord had sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. And I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, they took the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin as as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Ouch. Jig is up. It's over. It's over. Samuel has to say, be quiet. Be quiet. Will you listen now for me? No more excuses. Stop making these stupid, lame excuses and listen. It's time for you to be quiet and hear what the Lord has to say. Stop speaking and listening. And this is our problems. Too many of us want to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And we refuse to listen to God. And God's up there going, okay, will you ever shut up so I can talk to you? Will you please be quiet one instant so I can tell you I love you, so I can give you some information? No, you keep talking. Hey, be quiet. It's like Samuel. Be quiet. Paul can't shut up because his proud desire to retain some sort of control. He wants control. That's what pride people do. They want control. Speak on, speak on. (laughs) I love that. As if Samuel needed his permission to speak. Samuel had God's permission. He didn't need anybody else's permission to speak. He would speak because he was a messenger of God. And I love it says, when you were little in your own eyes. I love that. When you were little in your own eyes. Remember the time when you were humble, Saul? When you were little in your own eyes, you were just a peon in the sight of God. Remember those times? What does James say? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. God made him king when he was humble. Made him king because he had a humble heart. I love this. Don't blame me. It was the people. I love that. Another great, I'm going to underline that because I'm collecting the excuses of the Bible. What a great, it wasn't me, it was the people. The people you gave me. That, that sets right in there. I love Adam's excuse. It was the woman. As if. It was the woman. Or Aaron's excuse. Moses. Moses. I threw all the gold in the fire and the calf came dancing out. I love that excuse, too. I love that excuse. This was not bad either. Well, you gave me these people. Look what they wanted. They wanted something else. I love that. Don't we blame everybody else for our mistakes? Come on. Blame everybody else for our mistakes. We never try to own the responsibility. When owning the responsibility, it leads to salvation. Because when you own your sin, that's the first step in salvation. When you look and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've owned my sin. I owned it. I did it. I did it. You may fall this week. I don't know what the Lord has in store. You may fall miserably this week. But if you pick yourself up and look at the Lord and say, Lord, I did it. I did it. I sinned against you. 
You'll be forgiven. You'll be forgiven. But we have to own the sin. We have to own it. It's ours. We can't give it to somebody else. Well, he made me do it. No. This is not Flip Wilson time. The devil made you do it. It did not make you do it. Obeying is better than sacrifice. When we believe in Jesus Christ, we accept that sacrifice. We'll believe. It's an action. We obey God because he said, believe upon him whom you sent. You must be born again. Rebellion is witchcraft. Basically, when you are rebelling, you're saying, I'm divine. I'm going to decide what's best for me. I'm divine. I can do it. That's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. In verse 24 through 29, another stage. God now rejects Saul. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel, Samuel said to Saul, I will not return to you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Again, he's talking about God. Saul's not repentant. This is a big show. Saul's not repentant. God knows his heart. This is not godly sorrow. He's going to say in a couple of minutes when we get to verse 30, he wants Samuel to come to him and honor me so the people will see me being honored. Where's the repentance in that? God just told him, Samuel, when you were small and humble, I did these things for you. And now Saul's still saying, you know, Samuel, come with me and honor me so the people will see me. He is so worried about people. There's a, there's a great book out. There's a great book out by Edward Welch. It was called, When People Are Big, God is Small. When you place all your trust and all your hope in people, God shrinks and becomes very, very small. And he really can't do much because you're trusting and having your faith in them, the people, instead of him. Paul was more worried about his reputation. He was worried about what everybody else thought instead of his relationship with God. A dangerous, dangerous place to be. Dangerous place. So the final stage in 30 through 35 is he's rejected also by Samuel. He's rejected by Samuel. Then he said, I've sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of the people and before Israel and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring Agag, king of the Amalekites, here to me. So Agag came to him cautiously, and he said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, And Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Wow. 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 Why didn't Samuel lead an immediate rebellion against Saul? 
Why didn't Samuel lead an immediate rebellion? God says, I've rejected him as king. Why didn't Samuel say, okay, well, let's take the kingdom from him. Let's rebel and let's do that since God has rejected him. Well, the young lad that God had chosen wasn't ready yet. The young boy, little sheep herder, little ruddy kid, wasn't ready yet. He wasn't ready to do what God would call him to do. So Samuel obeyed the voice of the Lord and stepped back. He didn't automatically set up David as king. He knew that it was better to have a little anarchy than no king at all. Did this do any good? It didn't do any good in gaining the kingdom back for Saul. That was God's decision. He made it and he finally did it. But it may have done good for Saul in moving his proud, stubborn heart closer to God. I don't know. At least it had the opportunity. So Samuel allows Saul to come with him and they worship the Lord. But Samuel had an unresolved issue. Still a matter of Saul's incomplete obedience. God's command was to utterly destroy Amalek. And it still stood, even if Saul had disobeyed it. The king of the Amalekites came to the old prophet and he thought, well, we'll let bygones be bygones. I guess, you know, the old prophet was going to let me go home now. I love it. In the Living Bible, it says this. Agag arrived all full of smiles for he thought, surely the worst is over. I have been spared. (laughs) How many we know living in sin think that they'll be spared? Think that they will be spared? How many that you've talked to that you've tried to witness to said that, oh, God's not going to let everybody go to hell. God's not going to let everybody perish. Come on, he's a good God. And if he's a God of love, everybody's going to be able to get in. I mean, after all, all roads lead to heaven, right? Well, Samuel looks at the Lord. The Lord probably gave him a nod. He took out his sword. It says he hacked the guy to death. Chopped him up into little pieces. I like Samuel. <laughs> I really like Samuel. He did it before the Lord. He didn't do it before Israel to show them how tough Samuel was. He did it before the Lord in obedience to the Lord. It was tough obedience, but Samuel did it in obedience to the Lord. Sometimes the Lord calls us to do tough things. Now, I don't think the Lord's going to call us to hack somebody to death, but he calls us to do things that are extremely tough. And we're to do them because it's his command. Like loving that person that is so darn unlovable. Loving people that are just make your blood run cold. Lord has called us to love them. Samuel knew that he shouldn't see Saul. Samuel was waiting for Saul to come to him and humbly bow before the Lord. It probably wouldn't have restored the kingdom because God had already made his mind. The kingdom was gone for Saul, but it did last for quite a few more years. Saul never did see Samuel again. Ramah and Gibeah were less than 10 miles apart, but they never saw each other. The next time they met will be a strange situation in his death in 1 Samuel 28. But I love this about Samuel once again. Samuel mourned for Saul. 
I love that because that shows me a great heart. Yes, Saul had done wickedly. Saul has, did, has done wickedly, and he disrespected the Lord. He disobeyed the Lord. He lied to everybody in town. He did things that he wasn't supposed to do. But Samuel's heart of compassion, he mourned for him. And I find that very encouraging. I find that very sweet, very good. He hurt for Saul. Maybe he saw what might have been. You know, he was a prophet. Maybe he saw what might have been. But it tells me that people who are caught in sin and people who are disobeying the Lord, people who are in rebellion, people who are in our faces with those type of things, we should mourn for them. We should hurt for them. We should have compassion on them. For if you really look into your own hearts, we were no different than they. In fact, I'll back up. We are no different than they. The only difference is we accepted Christ's sacrifice. We are sinners saved by grace. They haven't. And we should mourn for them. We should mourn for them because in reality, according to Scripture, they're dead. They're dead in their sins. So we should mourn for them and want them to be born again into a living hope, want them to come into the kingdom of God and experience the joy and the peace and the wonderness of God like we can. So we should mourn for them. And it should break our hearts that they're walking in disobedience to God by not accepting the sacrifice of Christ. Walking in disobedience. Walking in deception. They're walking and believing in a lie. That God is a tolerable judge and God won't judge them. Oh, what a fallacy. God will judge them. God will judge us all. But it's according to man once for judgment. Once to die and then the judgment. If we've been crucified with Christ and we've been dead with Christ, we've been judged. And because of Christ's sacrifice and because of our belief in Christ's sacrifice, we've been judged not guilty. We've been justified by grace. Justified just as if it never happened. But we should mourn for those. And if you are in a mourning period and you're praying, just think of how different your prayers will be. If you're mourning for those who aren't saved. It took a lot for God to remove Saul from the king being king. And yes, it was his plan. But I think that God wanted him to succeed in one area. God wanted Saul to have a relationship with him. He probably was going to make David king because that was the plan. But he wanted Saul to have a relationship with him. It's God's will that none would perish. It's God's will that all would come into repentance. It's God's will that all would know Jesus Christ as Savior. And that's a loving God. That's a gracious God. A God full of mercy. I believe that with my heart. Saul had a hard heart. And it caused his soul to be hurt. You are We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises. 
and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.